Well, good morning, church. Ooh, a little bit of echo. This is God speaking. No. Good morning, church. If you have, if you need a Bible this morning, just raise your hand and Richard will get one right to your seat so you can follow along with us. If you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 2. It'll be up on the screen. I got a special, uh, Father's Day message for all of us, not just fathers. But uh, before we get into that, I'm going to do something a little different this, this morning. I'm going to have all the dads stand up. I'm going to pray for you this morning. We usually do this, but we save it for the end. We're going to do it in the beginning so you dads can't skip out in the end. And so uh, <laughs> all you dads stand up so we can pray for each other as dads because we certainly need it. <laughs> All right, let us pray. Father, we thank you uh, just for uh, your love towards us as men, as husbands, as fathers, as grandfathers. Lord, we recognize that we need wisdom, Lord, and we ask for it. We ask for humility, Lord, just in the, in the heavy responsibilities that we have, Lord, in the role you've given to us. Give us strength to do that which you've called us to do. Lord, help us to be an example of you upon this earth, Lord, to each one of our kids, to our grandkids, even our grown kids, Lord, that they would see in us what it means to have a true relationship with you. Lord, we ask that you would bless us, empower us again to do that which you've called us to do. I thank you, God, for each one of these men, Lord. Pray that you'd help them to continue on, Lord, in this fight that we have as we wait for your return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. You can all be seated. Luke chapter 2, Jesus' disciples come to him and they ask him a question. They say, Lord, will you teach us to pray? And Jesus responds, look at verse 2 of Luke chapter 11. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The title of my message this morning is the best dad ever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity together to know the Holy Spirit that you're going to speak to each one of our hearts here, not just dads or granddads. Lord, you have a message for all of us. Lord, as we hear your message, we pray that it would sink deep into our hearts, into our lives, and you would change, change us, Lord, draw us closer to you and our relationship with you. Father, we pray if there's anyone here that has joined us, that is yet to surrender their heart and life completely to you. Lord, that they would do so this morning. That they would come to know you as Lord, as Savior of their lives. So bless our time together, we pray. We commit it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, normally in my sermons, every now and then, you'll say every now and then a lot, I I throw in a, a, a dad joke. But it is Father's Day, so I'm going to give you just a few more than just one or two dad jokes as we start out this morning. What did the ocean say to the beach? Nothing, it just waved. I'm not saying they're good, I'm just saying they're dad jokes. Why do seagulls fly over the ocean? Nick, oh, Preston, yeah. Because if they flew over the bay, we'd call them bagels. If April showers bring May flowers, what do May flowers bring? Pilgrims. 
See, some of you dads out there, you're well rehearsed in these dad jokes. Okay. I asked my dog what's two minus two. He said nothing. That's your boy, Preston. (laughs) Where do you learn to make a banana split? Sunday school. I didn't say they're going to get better. Why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? In case they get a hole in one. Singing in the shower is fun until you get soap in your mouth. Then it's a soap opera. (laughs) Two more. My wife told me I should do lunges to stay in shape. I said that would be a big step forward. (laughs) Last one. I got carded at a liquor store and my Blockbuster card accidentally fell out. The cashier said, never mind. (laughs) Remember Blockbuster video? You know, we as men, we're, we're pretty easy to take care of and you know, in fact... Guys, we will take pride even in the smallest things that we do. I found another small list of things that guys can take pride in. Number one, we can go to the bathroom without a support group. I mean, what is up with girls? I gotta go to the bathroom. Okay, I gotta go with you. Okay, it'd just be, if guys did that, it'd just be weird, okay? We can take a five day trip with one carry on luggage. If someone forgets to invite us to something, they can still be our friend. (laughs) We can sit by and watch a game with a friend for hours without thinking, he must be mad at me. (laughs) Last one. If another guy shows up at a party in the same outfit, well, we just might become lifelong friends. We can laugh at some of the things that, that we do as men and in our, in our dad jokes that we have, uh, you know, and, and especially when, you know, we can not take ourselves too seriously. But, you know, there were a time in, in, in really in our generation where men were more respected in the culture than they are today. I mean, it was even seen in the sitcoms in the 50s and the 60s. They had shows like Father Knows Best. I mean, the title said everything. Father had the, you know, he had the knowledge, he had the information, he had the respect. Nowadays, sitcoms should be called Fathers Know Nothing. Because the dads are often, you know, the brunt of the joke. The dad is often the one who doesn't know anything about anything. In fact, he always makes the kids look, you know, like the all-knowing wise ones. But there was a day when fathers were looked up to for their wisdom, for their guidance, for what they had to offer. So I want to say something just to to the men here, to the dads here today. It's my opinion that a man that honors the vows that he made to his wife, stands by his children and his grandchildren, are the unsung heroes in America today. Now, why is that point worth making? Well, according to 2018 census, 19.5 million homes in America, one in four, live without a father in the home. And as a result, you can take most of the social ills in our culture today and find that they are linked directly back to the absence of a father in the home. 
In the past 30 years, there's been a 550% increase in violent crimes, a 400% increase in illegitimate births, a 200% increase in teenage pregnancy, and a 300% increase in teenage suicide. And experts have traced this all back to the breakdown of the family and specifically the absence of the father. You know that 70% of all juveniles in state reform institutions come from a fatherless home. You know, years ago, men have been torn from their families because of war or disease or death. But in America today, men are choosing to disconnect from family life on a massive scale and a far higher rate than other industrialized countries. Consequently, we are in danger of becoming a fatherless society. Now, we're not talking about fathers who were never there, but we're talking about fathers who maybe through divorce have disengaged with their their kids. At best, their kids see them every other weekend or maybe for two weeks in the summer. Or for a dad that maybe is working so hard that he would say, well, the reason I'm doing this is is so I can give my child a better life that, 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 that I never had. That's why I never see them. But what we need to remember is the best thing you can spend on your children is time. And lots of it. You know, not just quality time. That, that, that's a cop-out. Kids need quantity time. They need to know that the father is there for them. And for that matter, they need to know that mom is there for them as well. But for those men that are standing in the gap, I want to say, again, thank you. Keep it up. Continue to train your child in the way that they should go. Don't stop, especially, especially in the days in which we are living today. Now, for many, I think Father's Day can be an awkward day. It can be a a hard day. Why? Well, because some of us don't have fathers that that are with us any longer. They've passed on. Perhaps they've, they've passed away. They've died. Some of us maybe never had a father to begin with. Maybe some of our dads are estranged, you know, to us. Maybe there's even tension right now in the relationship you have with your dad. Or like I said, maybe you've never had a father at all. I, I never did. You know, and growing up, that left really a big blank spot in my life as a result. You know, with a dad there, there's just some things you just, you know, can learn about. Without a dad, you don't learn some of these things. I remember for, for years, I would not want to go out for basketball, even though I loved playing basketball. I couldn't understand the positions on the team. Only five of them, but I didn't know who did what. And we didn't have Google back then to, to find out what was going on. So I wouldn't go out for basketball as a kid. I didn't know the positions. Not only that, I hadn't learned a lot of the responsibilities, really, or the discipline that a, that a dad brings to a child. Yeah, mom did the best she could, but it's just different with, with dad there. Now, I don't say that to get sympathy because I know there are some of you that, that haven't had a dad around either. I simply say that to make this point. God in heaven has been the father to me that I never had on this earth. And God can do that for you too. And in spite of the fact that your father may have never loved you, or maybe he wasn't there for you, or even if your, your mother wasn't there for you, know that you always have a heavenly father who loves you. In fact, we're told over in Psalm 68 verse 5 that God is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. David put it this way in Psalm 27.10, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. You know, when kids are conceived out of wedlock, they, they're called illegitimate children. But there's no illegitimate children, boys or girls, when in the sight of God. Every child is legitimate and loved by the Father, and He has a plan and a purpose for every single one of them. 
Well, that brings us to our text this morning. Because it's Father's Day, what I'd like to do is talk to you about the only perfect father, our Father in Heaven. Now, I could talk about, you know, fathers and being a good dad, and I've done that in the past, but I think it's appropriate just to have our, our focus, our attention be on God as our Father, the best dad ever, thus the title of my study. And to learn from Him as fathers how we all can be, you know, the best dad, the, the best parent, the best person ever as well. Because these truths apply to all of us, not just dads, not just moms. You know, we're going to see three, and actually four things if you're taking notes this morning. We're just going to break apart that verse. We're going to look at our Father in heaven. We're going to look at how we're to hallow His name, His kingdom to come, and His will to be done. Now, before we get to point one, again, I want to point out that, uh, you know, Jesus, in speaking to His disciples, He said in verse 2, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, this has been called the Lord's Prayer. But it really is not the Lord's Prayer. That would be over in John chapter 17 when he's actually, you know, praying to his Father, to, to the Lord. That this is better known as the disciples' prayer because it's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, like a format for prayer. Well, how did this come about? Well, here in Luke's Gospel, the disciples came to Jesus and they had a request. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I like that. It wasn't, Lord, teach us to preach. Or, Lord, teach us to do this or to do that. Lord, teach us to pray. And notice, in verse 2, what Jesus says. He says, when you pray. Not if you pray, but when you pray. It's a given that we are to pray. If you want to be the the best dad ever, it begins with being a man of prayer, a best person ever. It It begins with being in touch and close communication with our Father in heaven. The disciples saw Jesus do some amazing miracles, some amazing works that he did, but they would also witness that he would go and he would pray, you know, and then come back and this miracle would happen. Or he would pray right before the miracle would happen right there. It was an example to the disciples of the importance of prayer. And he's teaching them. The disciples saw this. I mean, we want to pray like you pray, Jesus. I mean, what a great example for us as dads or moms that our kids see our prayer life. And that they would see in us the way we pray. And they would want the same thing. Dad, Mom, I've seen the way you you prayed. And man, I want that in my life. I want that powerful prayer life. There was once a boy who was told by a family friend, You remind me of your father. little boy kind of frowned and stuck his tongue out in disgust. Another little boy was told, You remind me of your father. And that little boy stuck his chest out with a big smile on his face. See, at some point in your life, if somebody said to your child, you remind me of your father, would that be a good thing or a bad thing? Would it be in disgust or would it be in delight? Would it be because uh, when you heard them pray that they reminded them of you? These disciples knew and saw firsthand that prayer was important to Jesus. And in turn, they wanted to know how to pray with power, how to pray knowing that God is listening and wanting to do a great work. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray like you pray. No, folks, I believe that we are living in desperate times. Yet the church doesn't seem to be desperate in prayer. But when you put prayer into practice, there's power in your life in which to do battle against the evil forces that are going on in our world today. The Bible tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and principalities. Therefore, our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in pulling down strongholds. And prayer is that most powerful weapon that we have to pull down the strongholds of the enemy. 
Does Satan have a stronghold on our city government, on our city schools? It seems like it. Does he have a stronghold on your husband or wife or children? Does Satan have a stronghold in your life? Then it begins with a prayer life. That's where our battle begins. Again, the disciples saw the connection between prayer and power, prayer and peace in the life of Jesus, and they realized that's what they wanted, that's what they needed in their life. Now, if Jesus, the perfect Son of God, had to depend on prayer during His life here on earth, how much more do you and I need to have that same dependence? In fact, the true marks of our intimacy and our dependency upon the Lord is seen in how we are given to prayer. There was uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones who put it this way. He said, man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face to God. Or I like what C.H. Spurgeon, the way he puts it, the very act of prayer is a blessing. To pray is to enter the treasure house of God and to gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. I like that. Opening up that room and seeing everything that God has for you, the power, the, the praise. It's that place of prayer that we see ourselves in light of our God. We see His greatness, though we see our weaknesses. We see His strength, which in turn shows me my need. I believe we need to be all about prayer, but the bottom line is we just need to pray. We need to put it into action. So here Jesus says, when you pray, and then He tells us how to address God. Uh, That brings us to our first point, our Father in Heaven. Jesus said in verse 2, when you pray, say, our Father in Heaven. You know, it's funny how kids hear things, right? You know, kids hear prayers, you know, but, you know, they, they hear Bible verses. And in their minds, they kind of translate it a little bit differently. So a three-year-old thought it was, Our Father who does art in heaven, Harold is his name. <laughs> another person, another kid admitted that when I was young, I thought the line in this prayer was, Lead a snot into temptation. And I thought I was praying for my little sister to get into trouble. (laughs) This little sister was a little snot. Here Jesus says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. I mean, this tells us that prayer is a great privilege given to God's children. In fact, Jesus' first words recorded in Scripture, Luke 2.49, Jesus explained, Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? And then in his final triumphant entry, rather final triumphant over sin, he prayed in Luke 23, 46, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I mean, think about this. Other pagan religions, uh, God as Father is completely unknown. I mean, if you were to look at ancient Greek or Roman religious systems, their gods were distant, they were aloof, they were detached, angry, hostile, jealous. According to Greek mythology, there were many gods and goddesses, and their gods had to be appeased. You had to do things to not get them angry, or not do things so, so you'd be on the good side of them. Otherwise, you'd live in this perpetual fear of them. Even in Judaism, in the Old Testament, the Jews didn't call God their father. They referred to him as master They referred to him as as El Shaddai, God the Almighty, or Mighty One. So he was seen as a master, ruler, mighty God. In fact, the name of God was so holy that Jews would frequently call God Hashim, which in Hebrew is the name. They would just say, the name. That's it. Today, if you have Jewish friends who are Orthodox Jews, and they email you or they write you, 
They'll write the name of God, but they'll leave out the letter O in the middle. So it'll be G slash or, or dash uh, D. They won't write it down. You know, they recognize the holy, the name of God. But here Jesus is blowing away his disciples by saying to them, when you pray, pray God as our Father. Now this word Father actually is the word Abba or, or Daddy. It's an intimate word. You know, Abba or Daddy was a word that displayed one of the most intimate relationships in the Jewish language. You know, when a child was out in public, they may address their dad as father or, you know, like we do, sir. But, but man, when they're home, when they're around their dad in private, closed doors, it's always daddy. I read that even today on the streets in Israel, you would hear, hear the word Abba being used because that's what children call their dad in Israel. In Hebrew as well as Aramaic, that's what they call it. They call him daddy. So you hear kids running around saying, Abba, Abba, meaning daddy, daddy. Not even father as much as daddy. I tell you, I personally love to hear those words from my kids. Oh, daddy, you know, but even better, I love the words papa from my grandgirls. It's even, even better. But these words, Abba, it just speaks of that intimacy and that access. It means that I'm a beloved child of God, that I'm welcomed in God's house. You know, when my kids were young, if the kid next door wanted to come into the house, they'd come to the front door, they'd knock on the door, and, hey, you can come out and play, or can I come in? And they'd have to ring the, the bell, they'd have to knock on the door. But not with my own kids. You know, they didn't have to knock, they would just come in and out, and in and out, in and out all day long, sometimes leave the door wide open. And today, in the same way, I don't know if you've noticed, if you watch it, I could be talking to you, and as soon as I see one of my grandgirls, and they say, Papa, Papa, our conversation is pretty much placed on hold until I can answer them. Why? Well, because my grandkids, they have immediate access to me. And I, I hear them when they call. <laughs> Same way before our Father in Heaven. We are always welcome because we've been given the key through Jesus Christ. And our Father loves to hear us cry out to Him. He longs to spend time with us. He wants us to come to Him with whatever is on our heart. I like Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 that tells us, seeing then that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If Jesus is not your high priest, if you've not been born again through faith in Jesus Christ, then you really have no right to address God as your Father in heaven because He's not. Now, does that mean that God doesn't hear the prayers of the unbeliever? Good question. The answer is, of course not. God is omniscient. God hears everything. He, he's everywhere. But the prayers that He will respond to are prayers that will lead that person into that place of regeneration, that would lead that person into that, into that place of being born again. So therefore, if you're not born again, you're not a child of God, and therefore none of the promises, none of the protection, none of the provision and direction that are available for the person who is born again are open to those who are not born again. You have to have the key to get in. That's only found in Jesus Christ. And let me make this illustration a little bit, take it a little bit further. The Bible says, Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And if any man uh, hears his voice and opens the door, he will come in and dine with him. So if you don't know Jesus, he's come to your house and he's knocking on the door of your heart. But you've got to open that door. The doorknob's on the inside. You've got to let him in. You've got to let him take control of your life. 
Your sin will be forgiven. You can be born again today and become a child of God. So the first thing the Lord would have us to consider this morning is that special relationship that we have as believers with God that we call Him Father, Daddy, Abba. We can come to Him as a child comes to His or a parent for help. Now when we come to Him, know that coming to Him, we're coming before the One that loves us with an everlasting love. We are uh, the apple of his eye. He has our best interest in mind. You know, if, if my little grand girls came up to me and said, Mr. Humphrey, Mr. Humphrey, I'd be insulted. I would smack their parents upside their head. <laughs> it's Papa. When I say Papa, I melt. Whatever you want, sweetie. You know, I love when my, my son's twins want to be held. Little Aubrey and Finn, they say, Papa holds you. Papa holds you. And, and what they mean is they want Papa to pick them up and carry them around as I hold on to them. But they're asking to hold on to me. You know, Papa holds you. I mean, isn't that the way it should be with our Heavenly Father? Papa holds you. Papa holds you. And He picks us up and He holds us as we walk. He leads us where we need to go. So, Point number one, our Father in Heaven speaks of relationship. To have God as our Father implies that we are God's children, sons and daughters. We are children of God. So the term of our Father denotes not only relationship with God, but respect for God. And that brings us to our our second point. We address God as our Father. Then it says, hallow His name or hallow be His name. You know, one of the Ten Commandments tells us we need to honor our father and our mother. Well, if we honor our earthly parents, and we should, how much more should we be honoring our Heavenly Father, God? In fact, you know that we are to to honor God our Father even more than we honor our earthly father and mother. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, if you want to be my followers, you must love me more than your own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, even more than your own life. And then he said in Matthew chapter 10, he who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. So yes, we have this relationship with God. But on the other hand, there needs to be this deep respect and reverence for Him. We must never allow our relationship with God to be reduced to some sloppy sentimentalism. If my children didn't show their mother respect when they were growing up, they were in trouble. Big trouble. And just because we call God our Father, Abba, Daddy, doesn't mean that we don't show respect. You know, I, I hear people often, when they talk about God, they'll say, well, yeah, me and a big man upstairs, we're tight. You know what? That tells me you're not really close with, with God. Not that intimate. Yes, we can come to God as our father, as our daddy, but we must come there with respect and honor. Hollow his name. That word hollow is an old, you know, archaic English word meaning to set apart, to make holy. Words like holy and saint and sanctification and, and sanctify are translated from the same root word. Now Peter tells us as God's people we are commanded to be holy, but God is, is acknowledged as being holy. It's an attribute of God. The holiness that He has, it's already there. So we are saying, God, You are holy. We are recognizing His holiness. To hallow His name is to to revere, honor, glorify, and obey Him as singularly perfect, set apart from anyone or anything. So we learn that although there is this great intimacy that we can call Him Abba Daddy, there's also equally great reverence that is to be observed 
and talking to God. There's that balance. We enjoy that intimacy to be able to come boldly before the throne of God to rest in His arms of love, but never forget for a moment who we are talking to. In Him we have our very life, our very being. This is the one who spoke the creation into existence. It's an amazing intimacy and awesomeness all in one. We're to be comforted by His love, captivated by His power. You know, it's having that, that, that heart of a child who looks at Daddy as the most incredible, powerful, wonderful person who ever lived. Hallow His name. Why? Because the Bible tells us that there will come a day, according to Philippians 2, 10, and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here's a simple fact. You can hollow him now or be forced to hollow him later. Because sooner or later, at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee is going to bow to Jesus Christ. Every single knee. Now there might be some that say, you Christians might, but not me, I'm an atheist. I'll never bow. I got news for you, friend. You are going to bow. You will eventually bow. Everyone will. That's what the Bible teaches. So here's what it comes down to. You can either bow now and confess your sins and be forgiven, or you'll bow later and acknowledge what is obvious, but by then it will be too late. Now it's by choice. Then it will be by command. Now it will be to your Heavenly Father who loves you and wants what's absolutely best for you. Then it will be to a God who's judge, jury, and executioner. See, God's name is more than just the sum total of all the wonderful, mysterious, and powerful descriptions given in the Bible. His name represents all who He is, His character, His plan, His will for our lives. I think when Moses received the law, he called on the name of the Lord. In Exodus 34, verses 5-7, through we have an account there. It says, The Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquities, transgressions, and sin. And it goes on. If we're going to be the best dad ever, if we're going to look at Jesus as an example, if we're going to be the best believers as ever, then we need to take on those same characteristics as our Heavenly Father, compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Do you have a name that when it's mentioned, people recognize you as a man of God? As a woman of God. Again, hallowed means to be set apart. It means that God is set apart in my life. In other words, above everything else and everyone else, He is the Lord of my life. It means in my life, in my character, I want to be set apart for Jesus and live a holy life. I want to please Him in all that I do. And Jesus set the example for us. You know, he said in John eight twenty nine, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. For I always do those things that please him. And that should be our prayer. Lord, in whatever I do, I must ask myself the question, Lord, is this pleasing to my Father? Is this pleasing to, to my, my dad, to my God? If what I'm about to do or say, will my Father be pleased with it? Or am I going to embarrass him? I've shared this before, but years ago when we first moved here, my son Joey, just three years old, and we pulled into McDonald's parking lot over there in Battlefield by the mall there, and I, and I was driving through the parking lot, windows rolled down, and this heavy set woman suddenly walked in front of the car, and I had to stop suddenly. So 
So Joey, being the kind person that he is, felt he had to give a warning out to this woman. And he says, watch out, fat lady, we might hit you. Now, I know he was seriously concerned for this woman's safety. After all, I just came from California. I'm a California driver. <laughs> but, and he didn't know better. But I have to say, I was a little bit embarrassed. <laughs> Listen, and all I do, and all I, I say, and all my many interests and ambitions and pursuits, can I say, hallowed be thy name? Would my Father in heaven be embarrassed by my words or by my actions? Or is he pleased? Can I say, like Jesus, am I pleasing my Father in all that I do? What about that career choice that you made? What about that business decision? What about those friends that you're hanging out with? Can I write, hallowed be thy name, you know, over it? Martin Luther said, and I quote, How is God's name hallowed among us? It's when both our doctrine and living are truly Christian. I like that. Third point, number three. Jesus says, when you pray, pray, your kingdom come. Now, this prayer is kind of a multi-leveled request with, with different applications. When we pray, your kingdom come, we're praying for three things. First of all, we're praying for the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. I'm praying, Lord, come back to planet earth. See, the word here used for kingdom does not speak primarily of a, a geographical territory, but to the sovereignty and dominion of the Lord. So when I say, pray, thy kingdom come, I'm praying for God's rule on the earth. That word come indicates a sudden, instantaneous coming. I'm saying, Lord, come back. Lord, I know you know what's best, but don't you think it's about time? I mean, look at the way the world is. Could you, maybe now would be a good time, Lord. How, how about right now? And, you know, I always say this, you know, how about right now? Right now, and I'm hoping that one day uh, that'll happen when the Lord takes us. But, you know, I just, I got to change this a little bit. Uh, because the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. I'm going to say, okay, Lord, I know you won't come back right now. Right? Right now you won't come back. <laughs> I don't know the day or the hour, but one of these days. But we need to be praying for the return of the Lord. That's what it says here. That's what Jesus is teaching when he teaches us to pray. Have you prayed like that? Do you pray like, like that? Lord, come back. Lord, I'm so looking forward to your return. Let me say this for, for us as dads and, and granddads on Father's Day. Make sure your kids and grandkids know that Jesus could come back at any moment for us as believers. Because that is our hope, not to scare kids, but, but to know, hey, Jesus loves you and he can take us to heaven. Now, I, I don't know if I did that good of a job with my daughter Annie because I just found this out recently that she confessed to me that she, when she was young, I don't know, five or six years old, she would be in her bedroom and she would cry out, Mom, Dad, are you there? Because she thought that maybe we were raptured and she got left behind. <laughs> no, Annie, you know, we're, we're here, babe. But, you know, you do things with your kids and, and, and you think nothing of it and they, uh, they get all freaked out. To this day, she shrieked out when we go over railroad tracks because one time I stopped on the tracks and I said, Oh, no, a train's coming. And now she's afraid of tracks for the rest of her life. <laughs> It's a confession. Sometimes dads, we do blow it. But, uh, but we need to pray. <laughs> Lord, could you come quickly? Would you come quickly? Also, when we pray thy kingdom come, number two, it's a personal request. What is the kingdom of God? Yes, it's the rule and reign of Christ when he returns. 
But the kingdom of God is also the rule and reign of Christ in our lives, individually, as a body of believers, why we are here on this earth presently. In fact, we're told over in Matthew 6.33 that to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, when we pray for thy kingdom to come, we're praying, my kingdom go. We're to put God's kingdom above our own. And then adding to that, Jesus told us that the kingdom of God was in the midst of us when He walked among the group of people. Meaning wherever Jesus is, that's where the kingdom of God is. But then over in Romans, we're told the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking or keeping the rules and regulations, but it's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. So again, in praying for thy kingdom to come, it's saying, Lord, I want your rule, your kingdom, your sovereignty in my life over my whole life. So number one, it's a prayer for the return of Jesus. Number two, it's a prayer for the rule and reign of Christ in my life. And number three, when we pray, thy kingdom come, it's a request for for the salvation of those that do not know the Lord. In effect, it's an evangelistic prayer. As his kingdom is ruling and reigning in my life, I can play a part of bringing that kingdom to others. And one way that God's kingdom is brought to this earth is each time a soul is brought to Jesus Christ. They're brought into the kingdom of God. So thy kingdom come is a reminder that we should be praying for the salvations of those who don't know the Lord. Because we know that's God's will for people to believe. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we should be praying for non-believers that they become believers. And I bring this up because maybe you know someone that, 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 is, is, that is so hard in their sin that you can never imagine them coming to Christ. You know, maybe they're profane. Maybe they're mean. Maybe they're atheists. You know, maybe they got the Darwin sticker on their car or the coexist sticker on their car just to harass you. And you think, oh man, that person is so far from God. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's a son or daughter. I'm telling you, we need to start praying for them right now. Pray that God will get a hold of their lives. Listen, no one is beyond the reach of prayer. No one is. Everyone can come to Christ. Anyone can. So it's an evangelistic prayer that we ought to pray. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, it's a prayer for the return of Jesus. It's a prayer for the rule and reign of Christ in my life. And it's a prayer for salvation to those that don't know the Lord. And finally, this brings us to our last point. We pray His will to be done. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, our problem is we we uh, we all sort of have our own plans. We make our own decisions, and we ask, Lord, just bless it. And oftentimes, our prayer is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. My will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But in other words, Lord, I've already decided what to do now, Lord, so would you bless it? Let my will be your will. That's not what Jesus says. He says, when you pray, pray to our Father, who is Abba, who is our Daddy. Recognize who He is. He's holy. He's set apart. Pray for His kingdom to come, that, that we can carry out His will for our lives. Not our own plans, our ambitions, but His will to be done in our lives. The prayer is, Father, your will be done. You know, there was a time uh, when heaven and earth existed in perfect harmony. Everything was good. So beautiful, in fact, God said of His creation, it is very good. 
That's when his will was dominant upon his creation. But after the rebellion and fall of Lucifer, who later became Satan, other wills were introduced that brought division between heaven and earth. Satan wanted the top position. He lost prominent position in heaven. He fell and now lost sinners, the devil, his demons, and sometimes even Christians rebel against God and rebel against the will of God and want to do their own thing. But God wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now one day it will be restored perfectly. But before that happens, we need to be praying. Lord, your will done in my life personally. Lord, your will done in this world around us. Lord, your will done in our community, in our family, in our nation. And we need to pray towards that goal. How is God's will to be accomplished on earth? Primarily through us. We do it by the way we pray, by the way we live, by the way we share the gospel, by the way we live for the Lord. In fact, listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It tells us this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, is his will on earth as it is in heaven. So we need to pray for that. We're told in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. So here we have a very specific instance of what God commands us. Holiness, sanctification, sexual purity is the will of God. Pray for the will of God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There it is again. A specific uh, aspect of his will of command. Give thanks in all circumstances. Our prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. You know, doing the will of God is not always an easy thing. Yeah, there are times when the will of God is a piece of cake, it's, it, it's beautiful. You know, you're in financial need and, and you pray, oh Lord, if it's your, your will, would you provide for me in this situation? And the Lord provides and go, oh Lord, bless your name. I love the will of God. Or, or you know, you're sick and you pray for that healing and say, Lord, would, would you, you heal me? And God heals you and, and, and he says, yes, that's my will. And he says, oh man, the will of God is it's awesome. It's wonderful. Praise you, Lord. What about when the sickness doesn't go away? What about when the crisis gets worse? What about when you find that you only have six months left to live? What about you fill in the blank and, and God, uh, crisis hits in some way, shape, or form? This is the will of God, is it? Are we paying attention to that? But it's exactly in those times that we need to pray, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Think about this. Who modeled that for us? Jesus did. You know, he just didn't preach this stuff. He lived this stuff. There in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, there among those olive trees, he prayed that prayer, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What is this, this cup that he was speaking of? It was the cup of the wrath of God about to be poured out upon him that he was going to drink. The pressure was on Jesus so much so that Dr. Luke in his gospel tells us that Jesus sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Just deep sorrow and anguish. If there had been another way, 
Any other way. Father, if there's another way that man can be saved, another way that man can be forgiven, for this work to be accomplished, Lord, that's what I want. But it's not my will. Whatever your will be, Lord. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus has given to us a model of what we are to do in times of uncertainty. He shows us God's our Father, Abba, Daddy. We never have to fear. And because God is our Father, we're going to want to do all those things that please Him. Because He is our Father, we'll never be lonely. We always have access. Because God is our Father, uh, I don't have to live a selfish life. Because God is our Father in heaven, there is no limit to His power from heaven. To, to those of us who are on earth, it's an incredible phrase, our Father in heaven. I love it. You know, if you were to count up all the number of times that Jesus uh, referred to God as my Father or our Father or your Father or the Father, if you count them up in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you come up with 165 times. In fact, Jesus didn't call God anything but the Father except for one occasion, one time. He didn't call God as Father. He just called Him just God. And you know when that was? On the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, He said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did He do that? Well, actually He was quoting Psalm 22, uh, which says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But number two, because Jesus said that as a sin bearer, separated from the intimate relationship with His Father for that brief, brief moment, as the sin of the world came down upon Him, as God the Father had to turn His face from Him, He said, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then he quickly reverted right back to that familiar term when he closed the episode out by saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It was the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me so that you and I can have our sin forgiven. You and I can be born again. You and I can become that child of God. In fact, it says it in the Gospels, as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave them the power to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So when you come by simple faith and say, God, I've blown it, I've sinned, I'm sorry for my sin, God forgives you. And you enter into that relationship where God isn't God and, and you are human, but it's God as your father and you are his son, you are his daughter. And then you begin to grow in that relationship as you realize he's not just my father, he's my loving father who received me and he's my Lord and I want to please him and I want to do what he wants. And then you realize as you continue to go, there's a big family of brothers and sisters out there just waiting to encourage you and come alongside of you. All because what? Because what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross for us. We're part of the family of God. And I pray this morning as we close, if you do not know Him as your Lord, as your Savior, as your Father, don't leave here without making that commitment to Him. He's knocking on the door of your heart, but He's not going to break it down. You've got to open the door. You've got to invite him in. Then he and you become a part of that family together. So I pray if, if you don't know him this morning, give your life to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love and grace to us. Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing in each one of our lives, not just dads, not just us as fathers. And I do pray, continue to pray for us as men that you continue to lead us and guide us as dads and granddads. But Lord, we all come to you as our Father. Lord, and we read here that we've been taught to do that. And Lord, we have a whole new appreciation of what that means after looking at this so close. Lord, some of us 
Lord, we didn't know what it means to grow up with a, a, an earthly father, a loving earthly father, but, but Lord, we have you, a father to the fatherless. And we come to you and we thank you, Lord. We come to you that we can bring whatever need we have, whatever thing we may be struggling with, Lord, and you'll hold on to us and you'll lead us and you'll guide us. And as we cry out to you, Father, hold you, hold you, hold you, Papa, hold you, Papa. Lord, that's our prayer this morning. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that, that is yet to cry out to you, has, has yet to ask for forgiveness of sin, has, have, has yet to recognize what you did for them upon the cross by dying on the cross, rising again from the dead, all was because of your love for us and because of the sin problem that we had. We were doing our own thing. We were living for our own will. But you died on the cross so that we can be forgiven, that we can have a relationship with you, a right relationship with you, God. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here that is yet to make that commitment, but they want to right now, Lord, would you speak to their heart? Lord, would you give them the faith to make that commitment this morning? While their heads are bowed and their eyes are closed, is there anyone here you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? You want to be born again this morning? If that's your desire, would you raise your hand so I could pray for you this morning? Anybody at all. This is just between you and the Lord saying you want to make that commitment to Him. You want God to be your Father. You want to be His child. You want to be born again today. Just raise your hand. Again, Lord, thank You. Lord, that You are our Father. That You've forgiven us. That You love us. That we have this relationship with You. Bless this week, we pray, Lord. Bless all the dads again, we pray. Give us a good day today. Lord, help us, Lord, if we can, to, to give our dad a call and encourage them and, and bless them, Lord. And uh, just thank you again for you being the best dad ever. <laughs> In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'll stand and we'll do one last song together.